In this video clip, we explore how you win business from a non-client who is looking around and talking to many providers. So this is the situation that may be described as a beauty parade or a competitive bid or a request for proposal. We analyze it by using a direct experience of my own. Let me tell you another real-world experience I had yeah, with a lawyer. You know, I've been beating you up. Let me tell you about one of the great lawyers who is one of my lawyers to this day. The story, very quickly, I'll try and keep it concise, starts unfortunately with a tragedy, which is my aunt passed away. And we were very close. She lived in Brooklyn. She was the cause of me coming to North America. You know, and I'm very grateful, you know, great relationship. But the time had come. She'd had a long and enjoyable life. And I'm the only relative here in North America. So it falls to me to take care of my aunt's will. And I've never been through this. And just as we said earlier, the first thing I do is I call my friends. and say, does anybody know a probate lawyer in Brooklyn? Because I've got to find a probate lawyer in Brooklyn to trust. And again, we chuckle about the word, but I hope I'm making sense. The word trust is not stretching for effect. I've got one copy of my beloved aunt's will. I've got to hand it over to a stranger in a process I do not understand. So I hope I'm fair to say the buying process is all about who do I trust. And everyone's got a nephew or a niece or a cousin in Brooklyn. So everyone knows someone. And I ask the obvious follow-up question. You know, would you really recommend them? And real world, what happening is everybody had positive recommendations. You're not competing against idiots. You're competing against other qualified lawyers. So everybody was saying things like, well, they're not bad. You know, they didn't let us down. And, you know... Um, yeah, you know, they, they were okay. And nobody gets any business out of you know, that level of recommendation. It was a lot of what I call the English double negative. We were not unhappy. That's about as passionate as an Englishman's allowed to be in public. Now, you get my point. Again, please test this against your real-world experience. If one of your business acquaintances and friends said to you, David, she's fabulous. Trust me, you can't go wrong. I don't know if you find this credible, but how many of you would basically hire that person without much more of a process? Now, here's my point. You may not believe this, but even an insurance firm would love to have that option. The reason they nickel and dime you to death is they don't believe that you are currently getting the kind of referrals that your past clients are saying, trust me, they're fabulous. Because the order in which it happens is someone first says that, then they'll get off your back. But if you don't have that reputation yet, they're going to continue nickel and diming you because they don't trust you. They think they've got to watch your bills because they think you're just trying to ratchet up the billable hours, which in fact is what you're probably trying to do. In other words, notice what's going on here. I'll only take a few seconds here, and if we can, we'll spend more time on this. But what's going on in a lot of professions, not just the law, is the client is basically viewed as the enemy. The client is viewed as other. And I hope my point is clear, it's working exactly that way in the other direction. The client has a fundamental distrust of all providers, just like I do, right? You've got to watch those contractors. You've got to watch the accounting firm. You've got to watch the ad agency. You've got to watch the designer, because all she's trying to do is you know, sell you more expensive stuff. And so the reason your clients are treating you so badly is because you haven't earned their trust. And we end up in a whole cycle of mutual recriminations 
and the, and the worse they treat you, the less inclined you are to do the right thing by them. In other words, we've got to go back to how do you save a bad marriage? Because one of the other questions that was submitted in advance of this meeting is, you know, how do you deal with clients, you know, who are you know, really tough on bills and cut bills, inappropriate and all the rest of it? And as I said earlier, I hope you will forgive the repetition, it's very important. You can't do it from a position of animosity. You can't do it from an adversarial position. You can't get other people to treat you nicely if you're basically treat them as other. You can do it once, it's called a one night stand. I despise the other gender, but I can fake it for one night. Right, you can hold your nose long enough to get what you want for one night. But fundamentally, you cannot get other people to treat you well if you're in this cycle of we are on opposite sides, we are adversarial, and the only way is to basically say to yourself, is there any shot of turning this from being adversarial to both being on the same side, which is we earn relationships. Now let me give you the practical detail of how this lawyer did that to me. Because I ended up with a whole bunch of names that did not have solid referrals. I live in Boston, so I interview these lawyers, obviously by phone, and that was another question you know, that was submitted, which is how do you romance somebody by phone? And well, that's fun, we'll get to that later. So I decide to interview these lawyers by phone. They're in Brooklyn, and if, if you realize, you, know, you don't actually want to go there for obvious reasons, right? And I swear to you, the following real-world examples are real-world true. I've shortened them, but they're real-world. I called the first person and explained my tragedy and my need. And it turns out they were all men, so I'll use the masculine pronoun here. The first one says, oh yeah, we can help you. We were founded in 1937. Can you imagine how little I care? Seriously, this is not a joke. This is what the man said to me. Can you imagine what this says to me if this is the first words out of your mouth? And don't laugh because I've been to your firm's website and that's the first stupid thing you tell me. It proves to me you have no idea. You are completely out to lunch on what I am trying to find out when I'm looking for somebody to represent me. It proves you really are as stupid as the caricature is about lawyers. If the first thing you choose to tell me is when you were founded, it affirms the caricature that you don't understand what I'm trying to buy. So I hang up on him, you've gathered I'm that kind of person. I dial the second person, I promise you this is true, I get the second person, explain my tragedy, explain my need, first words out of his mouth are, oh yes, we can help you, we've got 17 offices in the tri-state area. How stupid can you be? And again, don't laugh, I've seen your brochures. You've got a long list of the 37,000 services you offer just to prove that we don't have a special interest in the one you're trying to buy. <laughs> Are you making sense that when we're the buyer, any form of assertions about your capabilities is not only neutral, the assertions, even when true, have a negative impact. Am I making sense on that? Anytime you start by telling me things about you, you are proving to me something about you and it is not good. And notice even further 
that if it's negative when they're true, can you imagine what the impact is when I can tell that you're exaggerating? <laughs> then we get to the third person who thinks everything's price, right? He's obviously in insurance defense. And I persuade you, this, this is what I will treasure this one to the day I die. I call the third man and explain one more time my tragedy, my need. And he says, yes, we can help you. Our fees for doing this are $30,000 or 10% of the value of the estate, whichever is larger. And I'm going, oh, Don Juan, take me now. I mean, do people really think this works? So I hang up on him. And I'm not exaggerating. Here's how you do it, because it's real simple. I finally get through to a guy who's a human being. I was going to describe him as a genius, but he's not a genius. He is just he's a human being. I describe my tragedy. I explain my need. He says, before you go any further, let me ask you some questions. Have you ever probated a will in Brooklyn before? And I went, no. He said, do you know what the process involves? I said, I haven't a clue. He said, well, look, forgive me if I get the language wrong here, but I think you do not serve yourself by interviewing your lawyers and possible providers, because if you don't know what you're getting into, I don't see how you have the basis to make a sensible decision. He says, if you care to give me a fax number, if you want to do this, yeah, this story's a little old, right, so you can tell because of emails and stuff. You want to give me a fax number? I'll fax you an outline of what is involved in processing a will in Brooklyn. And if you have any questions, once you've read it, give me a call. Well, my fax number is not a secret, so my risk is very low. And um, what arrives within minutes is a three-page booklet, not a brochure, a booklet, which is the most valuable thing I can use at that time as a buyer who has not yet hired anyone. It starts with, Here's what you've got to rush to do. These things are urgent. Now, if you've never been through the process, these other things look as if they're urgent, but they're not because judges in Brooklyn don't rule on this stuff you know, in case the will's contested. So it may look to you as if it's urgent. Don't get distracted. Ignore that stuff. Here's the key documents you need to find in your answer fears. You know, the other stuff, don't get distracted. If there's a house involved, it's what you need to know. If there's an IRA involved, it's what you need to know. It goes on and on for three pages. And the last paragraph really got me, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be inspirational. This is real world. This is my life. The last paragraph was, and even though it has nothing to do with our services and our fees, if you've had the tragedy, you will need to know that you are required to notify the following Brooklyn city, state, federal, and healthcare authorities in Brooklyn, and here are all their Brooklyn local phone numbers. Now, again, please don't get stampeded by me. Show of hands, how many of you hire that guy right then and there? Now, you see my point? We're dealing with you and I as buyers, practical real world. I'm going to say this once, write it down, because I'm getting tired of saying it again and again. The way you get somebody to hire you is to earn the relationship by giving first. You start by saying, let me do something for you so that you can come to your own conclusion about two things. One is, you will be able to tell for yourself by this thing I'm doing for you whether or not I have the qualifications 
to serve you. You get the point? The guy sends me a three-page booklet, and even I go, duh, he's done it before. He's organized, right? I get this impression that he's organized without him having to claim a thing about himself. You with me? Let me write down the slogan here because I'm getting tired of saying it. Please tell your friends. You want somebody to hire you. You want somebody to go out with you, right? You want anything in the life. The key phrase is demonstrate, don't assert. Illustrate, don't tell. People just don't pay attention to what you assert about yourself. We've all heard it too many times. And again, I will be rude enough to say, and it's even worse if what you're asserting about yourself is an exaggeration. Just stop asserting it doesn't work. It's not immoral, it just doesn't work. The way you get somebody to trust you and hire you is do something which in and of itself illustrates what you want them to believe of you. I hope it's also clear that what this man, in this case, man did, that proved the point, is that he proved to me that he was a certain kind of person, or I prove is the wrong word. He gave me a pretty big clue that he was gonna be a different kind of lawyer to work with compared to all those other idiots. You with me? In other words, again, I'm trying to make business points get rich points. It turns out that the height of getting rich is the height of professionalism. Act as if you care, earn business by doing things for people. What that says is if you're trying to get a new client, which is what this guy was doing, you don't call on someone to tell them about you or your firm. You don't call until you're ready that you've got something that is going to be helpful to them. You research them, you find out, maybe you've done a study of you know, the last 3,000 cases that have been adjudicated in their area, and you've done a bit of analysis. I don't know what it is. But you can call on someone and say, on my dime, I've done something, here's a bit of analysis, or here's what's happened. You know, this might, may or may not be useful to you. But the way you get hired is be useful, be helpful. Now notice, this means you've got to go first. And of course, we're all such, such selfish idiots. We're all saying, no, 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 I want the other person to go first. The implications of the analysis you have just seen is to ask yourself, when we go to a non-client and try to bid for new work, to what extent do we stay silent on assertions about our business, but instead provide illustrations, provide evidence, provide help? To what extent in our proposal process do we actually earn a relationship? To what extent do we show an interest in the client actually get started in helping them as a way of developing the trust and deserving the new piece of business? Mm -hmm.